Welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by FunkinStuff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I am your host, Scott Dr. GX Wolfine, musicologist, creative arts journalist, and multimedia pro. Whether you're watching the video version of this show or the audio-only podcast version, I thank you so much for your continued interest and support in this show. If you enjoy this programming, there are several ways to help support Truth and Rhythm, as well as contribute to further enhancements and expansion, plus get some sweet perks and rewards in the process. First, subscribe to the Funkin' Stuff channel on YouTube, which is where Truth and Rhythm lives, and be an advocate by spreading the word among fellow funk, jazz, and R&B music lovers. Second, join Truth and Rhythm's new membership program through Patreon, which features three tiers for truth believers, truth seekers, and truth crusaders. You can also submit a direct donation to the cause anytime at funkinstuff.net. At that site, which is loaded with awesome content, you can also purchase the book, Everything's on the One, The First Guide of Funk. Shop for official Truth and Rhythm and Funk and Stuff merchandise, and use the Amazon links for all of your online purchases, which allocates a percentage to this show. Sponsorship opportunities are available as well. Contact me directly at scottg at funkinstuff.net. For those of you who go the extra step in supporting the show, you have my heartfelt gratitude for allowing us to continue to shine the light on those special artists whose quest is to find truth in rhythm. I'm honored to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership drummer, co-founder, and ongoing leader of the seminal funk group, The Fatback Band, Mr. Bill Curtis. From 1972 to 1988, Fatback released more than 20 studio albums, and between 1973 and 1983, placed 12 singles inside the R&B Top 40. Their classic dance tracks include Yum Yum, Do the Bus Stop, I Like Girls, Freak the Freak the Funk, King Tim the Third, Gotta Get My Hands on Some Money, Backstroking, and On the Floor. The group has continued to tour leading up to the pandemic and plans to return to the road as soon as possible and deliver new music in 2021. Bill, thank you so much for joining the program. How are you? I'm doing great, Scott. Glad you invited me. I'm glad to be here. We forgot one of the tunes, man, one of our favorite tunes, I Found Lovin'. Ah, of course. There you go. Excellent. There's so many, it's hard to name them all, but we'll do our best. <laughs> I know, I know. I can't keep up with them myself. <laughs> so, hey, you know, uh, so good to see you and uh, so much appreciation to come on the program and been a big fan for so many years. And uh, it's great to have you on. Uh, you don't know how I've been waiting for this, man. I'm ready. <laughs> Excellent. Where, where are you coming to us from today, Bill? 
Uh, North Carolina, Fedville. Oh, I didn't realize you were so close. I'm right in. Yeah. Uh, you know where Mooresville is? Yes, I know where you are. Oh, man. Nice. <laughs> yeah, right. you bet that dad for it. Not too far. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, you keeping uh, free of the the madness as best best you can since uh, yes 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 I I uh, contracted uh, the virus in uh, July I was in the hospital for ten days oh, wow. and uh, and I recovered thank God and I'm I'm still here and I'm hey man that was the experience well thank God for that man wow I I, I didn't know that you had had it so. Yes. Uh, yeah. Whew. Um, well, and um, you guys have done some uh, uh, streaming events this year, right? And and kept busy, right? Yes. Yes. I'm I'm trying to keep up, man. That that listen, it's hard for me to keep up with what's going. Stuff changes and happening so fast, man. When I get the knack of one thing, they're gone to something else. So yes, we did some stream streaming. Uh, we did um, uh, a Thanksgiving show, and um, and then we we tried a Christmas show, but it didn't come out so well. But it ended up doing um, uh, a podcast where they call um, "Kicking It with Bill." All right, that sounds like uh, you know something that maybe we we, we need to uh, do on a regular basis. Well, I'm planning on doing one one a month, "Kicking It with Bill." Oh, perfect, perfect. Um, yeah, it's been a learning experience for all of us, you know, but uh, yeah. at least we have the technology, right? Oh, yes. Well, one thing that happened with uh, the pandemic, it caused me to learn more about the the, the new technology. I Because I, I have time now, I'm home, I ain't got a damn thing else to do, so I'm learning the technology. Uh-oh, you might have to uh, give me some pointers then because I'm still learning too. <laughs> well, uh, well uh, I, have, um, I have the bass player, my good man, Zach. He's teaching me. He, he's an expert on that. He'd be stumbling and fumbling, but he's, he's very good. Well, he, he helped us out a, a bit today, and I appreciate that. Much thanks yeah. to him too. So um, let's uh, jump right in, Bill. You know, I'm uh, ready, man. How how did you uh, you know choose a life in music uh, way back when and and why the drums? Oh uh, well, I started out around six when I was six years old playing the. My mother was giving me piano lessons then. I started piano lessons rather, and um, uh, my mother always had a piano in the house and everything. She she uh, played a little and she. That was her instrument. She loved the piano, and she wanted me to play piano. And, but um, she had a boyfriend who would come by and play piano, and um, and he would come by and uh, play, and they would jam. He would bring his buddy over, and his buddy was a drummer, but he he couldn't bring his drums over and everything. But he would he would do an invitation, what they call now the uh, the the beatbox. He would while he was playing the piano, he would be doing the beatbox while he was playing. And I thought that was exciting and fascinating. That's when I fell in love with the drums. I wanted to be a drummer because I liked those sounds he was making with his mouth. And when I when I uh, 
but I had to continue keyboard piano because um, that's what my mother wanted me to do. But when I got a chance to switch when I was around nine or 10 years old, I told my mother that um, I, I started ducking the piano lessons, wasn't going, they couldn't find me because um, I, I uh, the kids would uh, always tease you about, you know, you were a little sissy playing piano. So I decided I, I wanted to be a drummer. So um, when I went to high school, I got in the band and I started playing drums. Uh, and uh, that's when I fell in love. And my father sent me a set of drums. And that's how I started playing. I couldn't play them, but I could bang them. Who, who were some of your uh, heroes or biggest influences? What type of music did you really gravitate toward? Uh, back in the days, R&B. R&B was the music back in the days. R&B and blues, that's what we did. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Louis Jordan fan. I'm a big, uh, uh, I was a big, big, big band band. Uh, Buddy Johnson, uh, Lina Hampton, uh, back that was those were my groups back there, and um, and uh, I didn't I didn't go too much for the the jazz group, but I went for that the the big band rhythm and blues bands, and my favorite drummer back there was a drummer they called Foots. He played with um, Buddy Johnson, and they I would uh, whenever Buddy Johnson would come through town, I would sneak out and try to see him. And I would stand by the bandstand and watch Foots. And it happened when I went to New York, I met him. <laughs> and did you grow up, you grew up in New York, right? No, no, I grew up in Fayetteville. Oh, right. Really? I went to school here, graduated high school here. I uh, moved to New York in 1950. Okay. But your, your musical roots or, or New York? Well, well, I started playing in February with a, a local band called the Fairley Brothers. I played with them. They, they, they taught me how to play. Uh, the reason um, I was the only one who had a set of drums and, uh, and my mother wouldn't loan the drums out to anyone. You know, they, they, they would come by and say, could we borrow the drums? She said, no, if you, you want the drums, you have to take my son. And so, but they were saying, well, he can't play. Well, you can't get the drums. And so th they were stuck with me, but what they did was uh, they would take me out there and let me try on the first tune. Then they said, do you mind letting this drummer sit in a little bit? And he ended up playing the whole show. Then they'll let me play the last tune just so they could say they did let me play. And But by watching him play and everything, I kind of got the knack of what was going on and everything. And and I kept practicing and until and I, I kind of was able to keep time. And then what happened was that drummer got him a job on the road with a band and he left Fedbert so they didn't have nobody else but me. So now they got to teach me and give me time. So that's what happened. I stayed with them. They taught me how to play. 
and and uh, uh, about six or seven months with them, I was playing drums. And then when I went in the military, I still played drums. I played drums all through my army career. Did did you get deployed in, uh, you know, in your service or what? I was in special service. Yeah, I was in a I was in a combo. I was in a, uh, uh, I was in special service in Stuttgart, and we toured from Berlin to Tripoli, and everywhere there was a American troops. That's where we performed. Uh, we would uh, put variety shows together, and they would take them out, and that's what I did. And that's and I also went to bandman school. I had a bandsman MOS, and and uh, my life in the military was playing music. Hmm. Sounds a bit like uh, Maceo Parker. Yes. Yeah. So, what? I understand you did some session work before you know Fatback actually got going. Uh, what was your first? in the studio experience? Oh, I, I'm trying to think. The, the first one I went in the studio was with, I first started out doing demos, you know, like playing demos sessions, and then people would come down, you know, to the, 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 the all the musicians would hang out to a bar downtown on 52nd Street, and uh, when uh, the studios up there would need a, to do a demo, they come down there and get the musician. They need a drummer. They need something. But that's what I started out as as a demo drummer, and um, and and uh, so some of the demos that I made was um, I remember the guy. What was his name? The one that played the organ grinder. He was an organ player. I can't think of his name right now. On Atlantic Records, uh, but that was one of my first demos we did. And then I did some, um, I did a, a, a lot of demos with, um, hmm, what is this guy, in, what is his name? Bedlow, Jimmy Bedlow. He, anyway, he did, he would do uh, demos for songwriters and the songwriters would come and and get us to, uh, you know, get a rhythm section to play behind him. I think his name was Jimmy Bridlow. That, that, that was his name. I used to do a lot of sessions with him, uh, demo sessions with him. And, but it, and um, my first record session, I think, was with uh, with uh, Red Prysock. Hmm. Uh, that was my first record session uh, with him. And then my... Uh, then from then on, I started recording with a lot of groups that I don't even remember their names. And only, only name one was was um, Bill Doggett, and um, next one was Seal Austin. And I also did some things with Big Maybell, and I did uh, albums with Climate Fatter, and I did. Um, uh, Trying to think of some more groups I did. Uh, 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 did uh, 
a lot of local bands around Frederick. I also recorded with a local band, Ron Allison. He made some records. And then I did some things with Paul Williams. And then I did some things with um, uh, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Robinson. Bobby used to have a record store and he would take, he would take, he would hire a studio for about six or seven hours and he would take a group of people downtown. He might take five artists and record that night. He'd just record artists. And I, I played on those sessions, on a lot of his sessions like that. So you were pretty seasoned by the time, you know, you started thinking about doing Fatback. And what made you decide that you wanted to kind of do more of your own thing? Oh, well, what caused me to do my own thing was when they blackballed me from sessions. Uh, they blackballed me from downtown from doing sessions and uh, because I was... Uh, I showed up on the session without my drums and I was late coming in. And so if a new drummer's coming in town, taking work away from all the old season drummers, first thing they do is gonna tell uh, contractors, don't have that, don't have Bill, he, he can't make time. So the word got out about that session. So the contractors quit calling me. So they kind of blackballed me. So I started producing myself. I started producing, uh, I started my own label. I started producing a couple of acts and doing stuff like that. And then, uh, then I organized my band. And uh, when I organized the band, I was doing cabarets and dances around New York and stuff. But very, very busy. I was very busy. But then the band asked me. He um, said, "Bill, since you're out there producing those." Other acts, uh, acts that I had on my label was The Puzzles, Mary Davis, Jerry and Paul, and a couple of more acts. I can't call the names right now. Singers. He said, "Why don't you put a, Why don't you do a session with your band? You got one of the hottest bands around town. Why don't you um, record them?" And so I said, I don't have anything. Say, so let's go in. So we, we went in the studio and we uh, we recorded. Um, I got to tell you how I got to the studio in the first place. How I got to the studio to to record. No, it didn't happen that way. I got to remember going back. I'm thinking back. I think what happened was, oh, I made this demo with my band. Yes, but. Nobody was buying it. I went, I shopped it, all the records, big record companies, I carried around. Nobody wanted to, didn't like the material, didn't like what I was doing. But it happened that I uh, ran across a friend of mine. Uh, his name was Boo Fraser, and we met downtown, and um, he saw me. He said, what you doing, man? I said, I'm trying to shop this, my, my, uh, demo I got here. He said, what is it? I said, um, uh, this is my band. He said, what kind of, what kind of music y'all doing? I said, I'm doing country and western funk. <laughs> and he said, country and western funk? I ain't never heard of that. I said, this is some new stuff, man. He said, come on, come on. I'm just starting a label, man. 
He said, come by, come by and gave me his car and said, come by tomorrow, man. And next day I went by his office and he said, yeah, man, uh, country and western punk. He gave us about $600 to go in the studio to make an album. And we went in and did six, seven tunes on that album, I think. And I think the closest thing we came to country and western punk was Wichita Lineman and... Uh, uh, it's another. It was another tune going on at, at that time. I can't think of now. And uh, and come to find out that on that album we had uh, we did a tune called "Going Home to See My Baby." That was the first thing that kind of hit the market. And it took so the producer told me that. Um, Bill, I can't get no jockeys to play this. He said, don't fit their format. He said, uh, it's, a, it's, a little, it's a little too loose. And, and that time, uh, Hi-Fi, uh, I think it was Hi-Fi, FM was in, and they had a certain sound. But Fatback didn't have that sound. Fatback was raw and street sound and that kind of stuff. And so jockeys wouldn't play it. Wouldn't play fatback music. They would say, we can't get it played. But it happened that Frankie Crocker ran across the record. And Frankie Crocker played it. And Frankie said, now, this is the funkiest thing I heard in years. This is funk. And he said, this is real, real greasy, funky music. And that was the beginning of the fatback band. Wow. Another Frankie Crocker breaking a band story. Yeah. Um, so was that album what turned out to be Let's Do It Again, or was that before that? That was Let's Do It Again. Let's Do It Again on Perception. Yeah. And the name of the group came from Louisiana Influence. Is that right? Yeah. Really? Yes and no. I'm going to show you how the name of the group came about. Like I said, I was playing with doing cabaret, but then I was playing in, in Ron Anderson versatile band. And and in that band was, had, was all musicians that did sessions during the day. And at weekends, they would play cabarets and dances. And in that band was... Um, a friend of mine named uh, Eric Gale, guitarist. And Eric was d doing, just breaking in downtown and everything, but he played with Ron. <clears throat> and I had a beat that I learned from, you know, it's a Sheffield beat, but people in New York just played Sheffield, singer Sheffield. But I had what they call a double Sheffield. And the cats in New York wasn't doing the double shuffle. Excuse me. Um, so he liked that double shuffle. And then with that double shuffle, I added something else to it. It called, I call it the, it's kind of like a New Orleans type thing beat. That it was kind of like off the bass drum and, with the hi-hat thing, because we were playing a lot of calypso music. 
And I took the Calypso beat and added it to the funk backbeat to make a different beat. And and Eric was used to sit, when he wanted me to play that beat, he used to say, play that greasy beat you got, that old fat back beat. He said, that greasy, nasty beat. And so every time he wanted to play, he said, give me that fat back beat. So that that caught on to everybody started calling me Fatback. That's why I got the name, but the the groove I was playing was a combination of New Orleans that I learned from a friend of mine that was in the military, mean Otis. Otis, hmm, his name was Charles Otis. He played with Fats Domino, some of his stuff, and he taught me that New Orleans beat. So I added that beat to my West Indian beat with my funky Southern beat. That's that's how it came out to be Fatback. The Fatback Stew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of like uh, Ziggy of the Meters, a little bit of Clyde Stubblefield, and a little bit of yeah, Bill, yeah, Bill yeah. Curtis's own special yeah. sauce with yeah. that. Yeah. <clears throat> How much uh, were the sounds of that period really influencing you in terms of, you know, it was right around when funk was really starting to just hit it? Well, uh, what happened with that that sound on there, I was playing, you know, the regular back because I played with Paul Williams for quite a while. And Paul and Bill Dorgas taught me, you know, all I was doing was playing the backbeat and I got tired of the backbeat. That's really how the that uh fat backbeat came in because I got tired playing just this on two and four. So I started adding ghost notes to the two and four that made the that made the beat. So therefore that's how I kind of changed the way the guys was playing the backbeat. And 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 because I didn't like the way the cats, the drummer was playing during that time. All they do was just sit back there, with, you know, just seem like they just sit back there and hold that same beat. And I wanted to add, I call myself add melody to the drums. That's what I would call. That's what I call playing to myself. I was playing a melody. Did, did you tend to favor a, a fairly scaled down uh, drum kit or a big, large kit? I had a large kit. I, I didn't have, I had, um, I used, um, when I when I was uh, recording and stuff, I didn't use nothing but snare drum, bass drum, hi-hat. But when I went out to play, I used um, uh, a big kit. I used 24-inch bass drum, and I used uh, the, the the big snare drum, and I used the tom-tom. But mostly, when I record, I was a strictly uh, a hi-hat, snare, and bass person. I didn't use that many cymbals. Mm -hmm. And just to be clear for uh, viewers, by tired, you meant bored, not tired, <laughs> tired, you know, with the... Yeah. Yeah, the, the, board, four, yeah. The, 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 the the two and four was boring. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, and I just wanted, I just wanted to, to in order for me to 
to be more exciting, I call myself "Put Me a Melody in Dumb Thing." You know, a little with my left hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, Jerry Thomas was a key collaborator, um, and he's been on the show. I had a great time with him. Great guy, and such a talent too. How did you guys meet? What is your side of that story, and uh, what stood out to you about Jerry? Well, Jerry was also in that band, Ron Allison. He was in that band playing trumpet. And uh, and uh, so um, I have to go back and tell you how all this come about. I also was playing in the band and I would go and I also worked up in the Catskills during the summer. And during that time, Motown was coming out with a new sound and a new everything. But the Ron Allison band was strictly a R&B blues band. You know how the band's back, swing band back in those days. And Motown was branding something different and I was digging what Motown was doing. So I'm all the time, I'm thinking about, hey man, they should change this band. We should quit playing the, you know, the blues, the way we're playing, the swing. We should start learning some of the Motown tunes. We should be doing more of that instead of doing that. So that gave me the kind of, I got the idea that I wanted my own band so I could play uh, the new style of music because I, I was digging it. And um, I, working up in um, the Cascades, I was working with a keyboard player named Bert Dakota. But he had, I can't think of his, the name, his original, his name, but everybody called him Bert Dakota. And um, uh, he he was a Motown man. He, he was in the studio recording and he learned the knack and the pattern that Motown was using. And and um, we would sit and talk and everything. And he would told me to really study the Motown and learn the system. And so I studied Motown. So then I decided to get my own band. And then when I got me three or four pieces together, and um, I asked Jerry, I said, Jerry, I said, um, I'm thinking about getting my own group. And uh, he said, uh, okay, okay. I said, I don't, I don't know when, but uh, you think you'd be, you know, you want to join us? He said, let me know, let me know. Okay, but in the meantime, Jerry goes over with uh, and started playing with Jimmy Castor, and um, and then I went out and got my group together with a friend of mine called Warren Daniels, and Warren Daniels and I had a group together, and we would play dances when um, when Warren had a dance, I go play with his band, and if I had a, a a gig or something, he would come play with my band, and then. Our book got kind of heavy and we started bumping heads that I was getting too many gigs and he was getting too many gigs. So I had to get my group myself. So I had to figure out how to get a group. And Warren told me about a guitar player, a guitar player over in Holland. And uh, he told me uh, to go there and visit, visit him and he gave me his number and it turned out to be Johnny King. Johnny King, I went over and spoke with Johnny King. I told him, I'm trying to get a group together. And, and I, I don't, uh, you know, 
And he said, okay, I'll join you. He said, do you have a bass player? I said, no, I don't have. He said, I got a bass player, my bass player. So that was started with Johnny King and Johnny Flippin and Bill Curtis on drums with a conga. That was our first, uh, I can't think of the, Wolford, Wolford was a conga player. And we played dances and we played, we even played down the Madison Square Garden with just guitar, bass, drums, and conga <laughs> in Madison Square Garden. Wow. But, and uh, and, and headlining the show was, uh, what was his name? Right on. That was his saying. He would say, oh, I can't think of his name right now. Big guy. Oh, oh anyway. But we was playing, we played Madison Square Garden. So oh, Barry and, White? Barry White was headlining. <laughs> yeah, Barry was headlining. We played on that. I don't know how we got on there, but we was on that. And uh, then I added a saxophone player after that. And then the group got, so when we got the record date, I had a, a added an organ with us. And the organ player was named Bobby Hamilton. And we went down, and that's, he was on that Let's Do It Again album. And now how Jerry got down was when I the organ player decided he was going someplace. He had another gig, was going somewhere, and he was, and so I needed a keyboard player. Jerry came in as a keyboard player with the band. And he came and started recording with it. He did a lot of recording before he joined the band. Yeah, how Jerry joined the band was Jerry and uh, Jimmy. Jerry wrote a tune that Jimmy didn't like and didn't want. He, he didn't say he didn't like it, but he wasn't going to record it. And Jerry brought the tune to me, and I said, yes, I record. That was Spanish Hustle. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jimmy turned Spanish Hustle down, and I recorded it. And, and, and Jerry decided to join the band after that. And we've been together collaborating for, for the last 35, 40 years almost. We've been together over about 40 years. Wow. Thank you for that history, Bill. That was really interesting um what what is it about jerry though his arranging skills or what is it that he has yes. it oh yes well jerry's the only one who could uh could interpret what i was trying to do that's that was the best thing about it jerry studied me i i uh, the the way i do tunes and stuff i have to sing it to you and 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 when i sing songs and stuff like that jerry could pick out the melody, what I'm singing, what I'm doing, and make arrangement out of it. And, and in the meantime, I'd probably be singing out of tune, did, didn't, have, didn't have the right key, but Jerry could cipher all that stuff and put arrangement around it as crazy as I was doing it. But he could take that crazy stuff that I was doing and turning it into a, mu a musical uh, composition. And that's what happened. Mo he had all that stuff, like especially girls, uh, 
backstroke, all the stuff that I was doing, Jerry turned it into a musical composition. And he was a great arrangement. He, oh man, he wrote the, like, you can hear the parts on tunes like Nick Neusa, Spanish Hustle, his arrangement. And, and I think we have some, all the tunes after, after all the perception tunes, Jerry did all the arrangements on. You know, I've come to learn, Bill, that at that time when those bands were so great during the 70s, so many of the groups uh, really relied on their keyboard players to kind of yeah. be the formal, formally trained people that, you know, could really do the arranging and bring it all together and take what the band leaders were thinking or wanted to do and really bring yeah. it to life. Yes, and that's what Jerry could do great. Jerry, uh, Jerry did his best arrangements on the subway on the way to the gig. <laughs> on his way to a session, that's when he would do his best arrangements. Wow. Uh, was it uh, awkward at all sharing him with another group? How did that, how did you navigate that? No, well, we, well, we didn't really go that far. Jerry made a decision to, uh, to leave Jimmy and join Fatback. After Spanish Hustle. Okay, so there was only a year or two of crossover. Yeah, 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 something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, Street Dance was the first real success for Fatback in terms of singles success, right? So, how how did that start to to change the group and and your vision for it? Uh, I I don't I don't really remember that much the street dance the one that changed the vision of fatback was going home to see my baby because that was the first house song and the uh, street dance was uh the first street type music and it was a uh, it was a type of song that high school bands would play that's how it really got popular through high school bands and um, and and street and uh, local bands because it was so you know very it wasn't complicated it was just right there and right on the funk and right in your face but going home to see my baby was a different style and and my style. I, I tell people that we was like 10 to 15 years in front of ourselves. My style is the style of music that they you're hearing now. My style back then when street dance and going home to see my baby, that was called, that was my style. Now they call it beat music because it's nothing but a beat and the drums and, uh, and the bass. And that's all you hear on fatback um, uh, music. Uh, the instrumentals, like when I have horns coming on the session, they would say, I don't know why Bill hired us. You don't ever hear him on the recording. Because <laughs> uh, when he mix them, he's going to mix them all out. All you're going to hear is drums. <laughs> drums, drums yeah, it starts and, and ends with the drums, for sure. Yeah, he said, all you're going to hear is bass and drum. Well, 
that was my concept. I, I don't know how I came up with that concept. It's just um, maybe it could be it could be the first engineer we had at Blue Rock, Eddie Eddie Cardigan, I think his name was. It could be because whenever we got ready to mix that first song, Eddie said, Bill, let's don't mix this. Let's leave it like it is. And just let's tweak a few little things and leave it raw and raggedy and funky like it is because that's that's a whole, that's a, a sound in itself. And 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 that's what we did, and that's and that's been my pattern for the last forty or fifty years. Yeah, well, and it it rendered so many hits, and it stood the test of time. So yeah. obviously, you were on to something. I didn't know it though. <laughs> <laughs> There's much more to this great truth and rhythm interview. Just continue on to the next part of the episode. Also, be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. And become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you very much.